Hi, I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and today we're here with Daniela. Hi. <laughs> Caroline, a.k.a. Pocahontas, who everybody knows and loves, in her fluorescent yoga pants. And we have Estefania, our resident journalist. And today we're going to be talking about breakups, spirituality, getting over a breakup, because obviously Daniela has gone through uh, an unpleasant one last year. Pocahontas, you went through one. We're all aligned. Mm -hmm. I love it. So we're just going to talk and uh, see what happens. So why don't, since you're the newest ones, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, goodness. A little bit about myself. So born and raised in Miami, 25 years old. Went to FSU for college. Tallahassee. Go. Sure. Let's call it Tallahassee. I mean, it was pretty nasty, so I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Um, I studied communications and did nothing with that major as I'm in real estate now. Um, been Except in real you're estate. on a podcast. That's very true. I'm very grateful for the, um, the knowledge I obtained at school. I definitely didn't use it for my career, but I definitely used it um, within life. And I feel like I can write a bullshit essay at any time of the day, at any second. Maybe I should do that as a side hustle, do essays for people. Like, there's a career opportunity there potentially at all times um but yeah i'm a very open-minded free-spirited person um love having conversations about things especially uncomfortable conversations too i think that's important um and i'm really excited to be here with these lovely ladies and you as well haven't seen you in a long time it's been a couple years it's been a couple of years so i know Corey because i actually used to work at this building that we are in Right now. Which we're not going to disclose. Which, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> um, but yes, I was the uh, leasing agent of this property. And Corey was just always picking on me. So we became friends because I was able to handle it. <laughs> she liked talking about guns. Who doesn't like girls oh, that like guns? Sure. <laughs> and she's kind of crazy. Once we get into it and you hear her story, you're like, Jesus Christ, Corey, you're who like, are these people? You're putting me out to be this person. <laughs> I'm not crazy, just not average. Don't let the innocent look fool you. <laughs> so she reached out because she had gone through a breakup and she wanted to talk about some things. So what did you want to talk about? Breakup oh, What was the, re the impetus for reaching back out? I think it was the fact that I was just in a place of uh, major confusion. Um, so I am a huge believer in therapy. I see a psychologist once a week and I absolutely love her um, but I also like other opinions and like I said I like open discussions I like to hear different perspectives um, and for me I was just specifically in a place that I didn't really know what to do and it had been um, over like six to seven months that I was in this place of limbo on whether I should continue my no contact rule or reach out I didn't know what I needed at the time um, my psychologist being like the most protective little mommy who I love was like, no, no contact, keep moving forward. You're doing so amazing. Look at all these amazing things that are happening. Um, but I felt like I, I guess needed that quote unquote closure that I now feel like you don't really need closure. It really depends on the situation. Um, I think I did a video years ago called why you don't need closure. I bet you did. First, cause it was the guy that had written that email He'd gotten ghosted, and he never got a straight explanation as to why. And he wasn't going to get one. Because well, it hurts, the right you know, ended. when you're in a position that you 
are in the uncertainty and just anything in life, not just relationships, it makes you feel very uncomfortable. So I like the past two years with this pandemic in this space of uncertainty, it's made a lot of people kind of, you know, go crazy, go nuts, feel very uncomfortable. So I just, I, I reached out to you because I really wanted like a different um, voice and I wanted to express my story, tell you everything that happened and just hear it from like a coach perspective rather than a psychological perspective and like obviously of my own so yeah I hadn't spoken to my ex-boyfriend for over seven months after being together for over three and a half years and I just wanted to know what to do so tell us a little give us a little history or obviously what you can talk about and you can disclose you're willing to talk about like I'm willing to talk about a little bit because you were in love with this guy (laughs) yes you thought you were going to marry him. Yes. And then? <laughs> and then? I'm not a drinker, but I'm going to have a sip. <laughs> sip and well, tell? I'll tell you, like, yes, just, like, sir. the last part. It was, you know, going through the breakup, it really changed me off for the better. Um, really showed, it really forced me to heal about everything in my life, my trauma from everything, my family and whatnot. It really commenced my journey of healing which it was as hard as it was it was the most special amazing journey that I could go through and you know we can get into the whole spiritual awakening later um so what was your what was a quick background in your family what how oh goodness tell us tell us a little bit you're just asking all the hardcore questions already (laughs) everyone's gonna know everything about Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna be an open book people appreciate that because when you because they look at you and they go, oh, yeah, she's beautiful. Life is easy for her. And then when people find out <laughs> what's Whoever really. Whoever thinks that you are so wrong, let me tell you. Whatever is going on, you know, and then when they get to know who you are, they're like, damn, I thought I had problems. So yeah. it really, it people like that when you share things so that, are, that aren't pretty, that aren't nice. I agree so with that. So tell us about your family background. Oh, Lord. Okay, so. Something that I do want to say, it's really special that like I am now very comfortable with uh, speaking about my story because I've healed. Love that for me. Um, I have exercised the demons. I I really, I've been in contact with them. I actually had margaritas with demons, with my own demons in a very intense meditation during um, Lionsgate Portal, which was August 8th at 8 o'clock. That's a whole other situation. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, back to my family. So. I mean, no, I'm, I'm very open about this. I think it's important because me growing up in Miami, um, my whole life, I was really judged by others. I was very bullied as a kid, uh, believe it or not. Even when you're like the popular pretty girl, whatever, in high school, I was heavily bullied and talked about in such a, a negative light when, you know, like you said, a lot of people thought that I had it all and that I was popular and, you know, whatever. I was going clubbing at 16, did all these cool things. But no one other than my very close friends knew what was really going on at home. Um, My home life was very, very um, traumatic, I want to say. I come from somewhat of a broken home. Unfortunately, my parents divorced when I was one. And the very first time I ever saw them hug was when I graduated college. Amazing. 20-something years later. Um, but um, my father is, is still is, and was, I guess, whatever, the same. Very, very abusive person. That's because he was severely abused as a child. And 
my family background from my dad's part was very, um, it's been generational trauma for a very long time. I think it goes all the way back from like my great, 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 great grandparents. Um, and I, I didn't really know a lot about my father's family because he hid it. He never told me and, and my half brother anything. He also hid a lot of things from my mother too. And I kind of picked up the pieces as I grew up um, and as I got older to figure out all these things. Um, but he was very mentally, verbally, physically, emotionally abusive and also financially abusive. Um, he has his own mental problems too. So everyone from my dad's part of the family, including my half brother, unfortunately, they all suffer from, from mental disorders and mental illness. Mental health is the most important thing in the world, I think. Um, and especially when you struggle, you, you, you need help, you need treatment. I'm very big on therapy and treatment and, and not doing this life alone. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about this life is you can do anything that you want, but you don't have to do it alone. Um, so a lot of things that were happening at home, I, um, I really built up a guard, this major facade. Um, and I started doing pretty shitty things at a very young age. I was in so much pain all the time that hurting people was kind of like a nature of mine. And I also was in a phase, I remember in high school that I, I really just wanted to feel numb all the time. I, um, my dad's abuse between my mom and I was it really created a constraint between my my mom and I even though my mom wasn't the abusive one my mom is my forever love I'm obviously alive because of her and we have a great relationship but it just broke um love in the dynamic I was never shown love as a kid I grew up with my dad you know like beating the shit out of my mom as a kid I remember being like three years old and you know, getting on top of him and like trying to fix the situation, but coming from um, divorced parents and being an only child, my whole life I thought everything was my fault or, and I wasn't lovable and all this aggressiveness and trauma was because of me because I thought they always fought over me and it was, I mean, that's what they physically depicted. I remember a pretty traumatic experience. I don't remember how old I was. I probably was like six and my parents like would physically fight over me. Like my mom would be grabbing my right arm and my dad would be grabbing my left arm. So as a child at the time, you think that's all your fault, right? Um, but yeah, so my dad was very verbally abusive towards us too, just calling us every name in the book since I was like 10. And um, from hearing that, you believe it, you know, you start to believe it. And um, I think that's why I, I really moved towards escapism. So I, I definitely did a lot of partying as a kid. And at the time, people were like, oh, you know, she's just like a cool girl or whatever. It was like, no, the truth is I was running away from home. I didn't want to come home. Um, there was a point where I couldn't see my mom for a long time from the damage that my dad had done. So I had to live with my dad at one point. And that was rock bottom for sure. Um, numbing to a whole area. Um, and I also wasn't financially helped, so I had to be on my own. I had to grow up fast and definitely got myself into, you know, selling stuff. <laughs> Sold fake IDs in high school, which I don't know if I should be ashamed of or extremely proud of because we killed it. That was a fun time in life. I mean, no, I'm lying. It wasn't fun. 
I lived life in fear every single day. I got, I was held at gunpoint at one time. Real, real trap craziness. Um, but I had to, I had to make money. You were like, who is this girl? Corey? Where did you find her? Is this a the street person you brought yeah, in? Yeah, I'm from the streets. You know, when the streets call. She belongs in the streets. You answer. No, I don't belong in the streets. I just come from the streets. Now I, I'm She's a healing, gangster. loving little gangster fairy. <laughs> but yeah, so no, it's just my parents never gave me money. So my mom, they're both immigrants. My mom um, never really made a lot of money. She, you know, we, we went through a lot. We got evicted a whole bunch. You know, she was a single mother and love her to death. I would do anything for her. And then my dad was that, you know, deadbeat dad that never wanted to pay child support, even though he made money. And he just really implemented the ideology of like if you need something or you need to make your own money like you got to do it on your own and even though I'm like 14 15 at the time where you still need help you still need someone to feed you and take care of you and whatnot and I didn't have that unfortunately so that's why the streets called <laughs> and um and so you yeah, answered the call I had to how was I going to survive you know I would ask my dad for two for two dollars and fifty cents so I could buy pizza and he was like no figure it out so what what are you gonna do you know that's why I really understand can't figure it out figure it out exactly that was like I remember that was very like triggering for me that that sentence the go figure it out because I'm like fifteen and I don't know better and I'm like mm -hmm. how am I supposed to figure this out um, so how'd you come up with the idea oh I'm gonna sell some fake IDs that'll be great what a great business the streets call me so. Um, it's a funny story, actually. So all my friends have always been older than me. And um, I was a freshman at the time, I think, or maybe a sophomore. All my friends were seniors. And this girl who we don't talk anymore, but I will forever have, we have love for each other. Um, she's actually a school teacher now, which is dope. She teaches like second graders or something <laughs> like that. She's like, yo, like you are, everyone knows you. You talk to so many people and you're like really smart. I was in the IB program in high school. She's like, would you like to join this sketchy venture? And I'm like, what do you got for me? Like, let's talk. And long story short, she um, had a connect of this guy from like Canada who had the machine. I don't even know what it's called. He like stole it from the DMV. I don't, I don't, that I didn't really know. But it was like a business. It was set up to the T. I never even met the head guy. I never even spoke to him. It was all compartmentalized. But it was completely a business. Like I felt like I was in the show Breaking Bad. Like it was just, and I was so fucked up at the time that I really, I was so unhealed. I like, I loved the thrill, which was not healthy, obviously. Um, but yeah, when she gave me the opportunity and she's like, Daniela, like you can make a lot of money like it's your own business you you charge how much you want blah 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 and that really taught me um entrepreneurship because, capitalism yeah and i i did an amazing job i'm not gonna lie it was really scary and it was really batshit crazy but my where i built my business was at the time i loved going to um like festivals ultra and like all these musical things because i'm a music head things have not changed so i'd always go to these festivals and i would target the kids that would get denied at the door and be like hey my name's Daniela sucks that you can't get in you look like you need a fake ID and they're like oh my god yes that's my biggest problem blah blah blah, blah. became I got friends. a hookup for you yeah I was like hi 
I can help you with that problem. Um, She's a fixer. Yeah, I'm a, that's... A high school fixer. I was a, I was a fixer, yeah. So that's what I did. I went to all these festivals all over the place too, like Orlando, you know, like I did EDC and then that's what really grew my business. And then when I like really connected with that person, mm -hmm. I'd be like, okay, look, I don't know where you're from. You're from Michigan. Get me 20 people who want a fake ID and I'll give you two for free. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> Negotiation. Buy 20, get so, two for free. Yeah. So no, well, get, give me 20 clients you know, and I'd make stupid amount of profit. Um, and like, I gave him incentive. Life is all about commission and incentive. That's where the real money's at, right? So that's like how I kind of juggled the business. And I just started getting clients from all over the country. People were Facebook messaging me from California, from North Carolina. I'm like, oh my God, like people are, it got to a point where it got a little too scary and I started living a life in fear because I also always had an insane amount of cash on me from these clients. I remember. Um, How much money were you making back then? Money. This was what, junior year? <laughs> no, I'm like a freshman. Or freshman? A in, in, yeah, I'm like in 16. high school. 16 years old. So how much, how much were you I'm making? Hustler. She Born hustle. hustler. Mm -hmm. I'm such a hustler. You have no idea. I think that's why I'm in real estate now. Um, enough to put myself through college <laughs> and buy myself my first car. So multiple six and, figures and eat. No. So when you like rolled up that. in a Bentley, nobody was suspicious. I definitely wasn't rolling up in a Bentley. I got a mini Cooper. To be. A mini Cooper? Yeah, it was. It was. It was a convertible mini Cooper. You paid cash? I paid cash. I paid everything with Brand cash. new? No, it wasn't new. It was used, but it was a nice car and. It was so funny because, like, some of my friends, like, I'd come over and, like, my OG friends to this day who are still my best friends, like, they would just count cash with me. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then my mom did, too. <laughs> Sorry, Wait, mom, I'm calling you. The whole family was involved. The whole, no, obviously, no, not my father. My father wanted to kill me when he found out. He kicked me out of the house when he found out. Um, but my mom. He's just mad he didn't get a cut. Probably. Mm -hmm. My mother, though, she's so funny. She, like. I was inviting her because we always struggle, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it's a lot something a lot of people don't know. We struggled really hard financially. Like I know that world very well. Um, and my mom was, you know, I was taking her out to eat sushi all the time and, you know, buying her like a Tory Birch wallet or something mm -hmm. that we never was capable of doing. So I told her the truth and my mom was just like, keep doing it. she was like, I like this life, of course, you know. Um, but she was always like, be very careful. And there was just a point where I I couldn't like, I wasn't comfortable anymore. It was it, The business got a little too intense for me. Um, I was getting these messages from people all around the country. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I remember um, I had, I got stopped by a cop in my mom's car because of her, um, her like license was expired or something like that. And I remember like, if it was yesterday that, I thought that was the day. I was like, this is it. I'm going to jail for a very long time. Like probably my whole life. I had like 70 fake IDs on me and like almost $20,000 in cash under her seat. And I thought that was it. Like I was done. But it was just my mom's um, license was, was um, expired. So the police officer bought the innocent girl. Yeah, like what did I do wrong? <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know. This is not even my car. This is my mom's car. But the anxiety um, wasn't worth it anymore. 
And I made me and my girlfriend who got me into it more than enough money. So I exited. How long were you in the business? Like for a year, two, three? For almost a year. It was fun, but it's not something I'm proud of. It's just, I had to, I had no way to survive. You know, I, I grew up in a family where I had to like pay rent and provide. I was definitely parenting my parents, which is very traumatic. And then eventually your boyfriend, your ex boyfriend. Ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then you start to parent kind of everyone around you. And so you. you moved on from the fake ID business into moving what? So no, then I went to college because I had money to go to college. So I ran away from my dad's But there were home. some other things that you sold as well, which I do recall before we started filming, unless we can't talk about that. Um, it's not that we can't talk about it. Probably we just, shouldn't. <laughs> no, we just, I sold everything. I, I sell real estate right now, you know? So All you were like the together. Walmart of your high school. Basically. Or the yeah. Amazon, I guess, of your high school. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was as rich as Jeff Bezos, but Bezos, however you pronounce his name. But yeah, no, I just, I basically was put in a situation where I had to survive. And when you are in survival mode, you do what it takes. But I was also a woman of integrity always, even as a young girl. I never, you know, used my body, never kind of went down that route and went down the drugs and fake ID route. <laughs> And I also, it was like my group of friends, you know, I went to public school my whole life and growing up in Miami, I mean, it's, it's like the biggest party school, I mean, party city ever. So um, it was very easy. It was very accessible. Like if we wanted anything, we could get it. I went to TCC first. So I actually did community college because I, um, I got into the honors program. So they actually paid me to go to school, which mm. was amazing. So all the money that I made, I was paying my bills, my rent, my everything, and it was so funny, man. Tallahassee, like, such a good life. Your rent is, like, $450 a month. You're living in, like, a shack with, like, nothing. What a life. It was it was good. My first apartment was, like, in the ghetto of Tallahassee. And, um, again, I told you I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I lived with these two girls and um, started my life there. After um, a year at TCC or a year and a half, I did the TCC to FSU program. And then I went to Florida State, graduated, took school super seriously. I loved school, still do. I think the world is our classroom. Um, studied communications. And then I minored in sociology and philosophy, which I'm a huge philosophical junkie. I love all that type of stuff, which kind of like ties into like my spirituality as well. But I loved everything that I learned at school. Um, I took like philosophy of feminism and it was just unbelievable. I, I really, um, I took advantage of, of college and I didn't really party towards the end. I really wanted to, like I was paying for it. So I was like, my money's got to be worth it. You know, my drug money's got to be worth <laughs> it for, at, at some point. See, that was the problem. I was always I too, get value for my drug money. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I've, I've always been too smart for myself, but um, I loved it. It was a great, great experience. And um, I moved around like my senior year. I lived with all guys. I can do it all. When you, you lived can, in a frat house? No, but it was basically a frat house. I mm -hmm. lived with three boys, one being my greatest, best guy friend. He's I my see brother. see trolling comments now about that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Don't troll me. He's still my best friend to this day. I love him. He's my best friend. Um, but, 
yeah, I, f- I feel like after living in a house with three boys, you can do anything. I basically was, I've just been mothering people for a very long time. Um, but yeah, I graduated. I remember being terrified of moving back home, Ter- like moving back to Miami because I was going to get my own place. I worked, I think that's why I didn't party a lot in college. Like, don't get me wrong. I did do my fair share, but I wasn't like the rest of my friends. I, I worked a lot. I had two jobs. I was either hostessing. I worked at Complete Nutrition. Like, I was always working because I had to pay for my stuff. So, yeah, I graduated and um, moved back to Miami, got my first apartment with my best friend at the time. And um, all, like, my little manifestations just started to come true. And now it's been almost four years since I've graduated, and now I'm talking on the podcast with you. Imagine that. So at some point you met your now ex. Oh God, we're back to that. I thought we got away from that. Had a great, <laughs> great love story. At least you thought it was a great. So no, interesting thing about that is that we were talking about earlier off camera is that you fell in love with his potential. I, a lot of people do that. We project our ideal onto that person and then we ignore the red flags. The reality, the red flags, everything. For sure. I mean, I to be very honest with you, I fell in love with him for who he was and his potential. We were just such a trauma So you fell in love with his potential, not necessarily who he actually was. No, I I, I was in love with who he was too. I did. But that and was his potential. And his potential, yes, both. But so you I gave think him a lot of mulligans because of the potential you saw. Yeah. We were just... We were, like, at the time when we met, we were, like, vibing at the same, like, frequency. We both were just very unhealed. We both had a lot of trauma. um, And we both, like, wanted to be better. And that's where we, like, found love in a hopeless place. (laughs) Love in a hopeless place. (laughs) Yeah, and we were, like, best friends off the rip. Like, it just, we were amazing amazing best friends like we had a really good time together we had a lot of fun <clears throat> and then at some point what <laughs> you because two people, <laughs> people either grow together or they grow apart correct and so you were always growing as a person spiritually self-help personal growth Tell so was he that. but the pace was different just like which is respectable you know everybody grows at their mm-hmm. own yeah. place and space so what it really was, and again, I don't want to get too much into detail, but um, we grew together a lot and we both brought each other to an amazing place. It was kind of, you know, we did help each other a lot. Um, but then it got to a point where we started to grow apart because we were so busy trying to fix each other, if that makes sense. And that's what. So you recognize right away he was a fixer upper. Oh, 100%. I mean, me being in real estate, I saw a house that needed to be reconstructed and was ready to fix it up. <laughs> it's literally what I do for a living, so that's kind of fun. That's what I used to do for a living. <laughs> yeah, and, and me too, you know. I think he, we loved each other so much that we just wanted the best for each other and it ended up breaking us apart because of a lot of emotional immaturity um, and just not healing individually. See, something that I've learned very important from this relationship is you really have to do the inner work, the shadow work, 
individually, whether you're in a relationship or not. And when you are in a relationship, you can't lose that about yourself. You need to keep that independence, especially when you're so young. You know, I was 22 when I met him and I couldn't, I lost sight of my own path because it became meshed. You lost who you were. One million percent. And I also loved him more than I loved myself. And I can own that any day of the week. But that's, I'm just such a lover, you know, I guess the Colombian culture or something, but no, the love was just very real. And I, again, I wasn't doing the work for myself to love myself and get myself to a better place in time. Um, it was all focused on something else, which was my significant partner. Interesting. Interesting. So at some point though, you came to the realization that, like I remember when I was in real estate, because I, you know, I was always learning. I was always into self-help, personal growth. Same. And I was always sharing the stuff with the people that worked for me because they became better salespeople. And then if they made more, we made more. And I remember one of the guys saying, Corey, you're just a much faster swimmer than the rest of us. Because I was always out there doing things that they were like, ah, oh, that's a little too much for me, dude. But that's awesome. You know, like you know what you want and you're you're not afraid to get out of your comfort zone. I'm like a huge speaker on that i think it's your comfort zones where you're most uncomfortable and it also stifles you completely it's like a mental prison or a physical prison i love since i've healed done a lot of healing the past two years lots of shadow work like i <clears throat> i am very comfortable with being uncomfortable and i think it's very important to do shit that sucks like what can i do today that i don't like and i would do it so i would take cold showers at six in the morning, which I hate. <laughs> I would train with a trainer at 6.30 in the morning. I would force myself to like read or just do stuff that I didn't really like to do because I'm so distracted by everything else in our world. You know, we live in a society filled with distractions and vices, but when you tunnel vision and you want to get to a place and grow as a person and see what you're actually made out of, you need to do shit that sucks or just being uncomfortable mentally too, or physically, like people avoid confrontation, you know, like I'm not afraid of confrontation anymore. I feel like, you know, people are so scared to be like, Hey, what you did like hurt me. Can we sit down and talk about it? People rather just like let it go. And then it's in the body. Right. And then you emotionally repress it and then you build resentment and then and it gets stored as muscle mm -hmm. tension in your nervous system yeah and it, it's it just all goes downhill in every type of system of your body right you physically start to feel pain you start to have anxiety and you know just kind of it's like a domino effect it only goes down from there but that's like the mental part of it like confrontation is so important doing having those uncomfortable conversations are important that's when you're being really real and authentic about yourself and the world around you and I promised myself from healing that that's how I want to live my life moving forward I'm very brutally honest and like I said to you earlier like I think my life has gone so amazing ever since I I've cut out so many people in my life and the people that I do currently have in my life are like that with me like we can talk about everything we can see I have friends that are not like my yes mans I have friends that are like no, I don't think you should do that. I don't agree with that. Or what you said was really like messed up or, you know, just 
disagreeing with me or they have an argument to present. But that's what makes that relationship so special because it's real. It's not fake. And, you know, me being born and raised in Miami, I've been in millions of fake relationships and friendships and and whatnot. And I that's just not me at all. I'd rather be very honest and with you and you'd be very honest with me. And if we work out, amazing. And if we don't, then at least we were real at the end of the day. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the memories. Don't yeah. let the door hit you in the ass. More like on. thanks for the lesson. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And going back into confrontation, would you say it's good to confront at the moment or say, hey, this is not the moment to confront because let's say we're outside, we're with other people, it's no one's business, but we're going to take this next day or the following day and we sit down and talk about it. Because I know there's friends I like to confront in the spot and I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. I think there's always a place and a moment for it. And especially if you're outside with other people, you don't want other people to hear your conversation. That is a private matter. You're supposed to have it in, in a private setting, whether home, in the car, who knows. But what's your intel in the confrontation right away? Or do we wait and we do it another time? Great question. I think it's situational completely. Um, I think it's very important to do things in the right place and time. Absolutely. So it really depends if you feel like you know, if you're alone or you're in an appropriate place and it's really bothering you, then I think you should talk about it within that space. If I'm, let's say, too emotional, right? Like my logic has like gone out the window and all my emotions are front forth. I know I'm going to act and react. I'm not going to respond. I'm going to react from an emotional standpoint. And that's when I'm going to get, you know, I'm hurt. So I'm going to want to hurt you or I'm going to say the wrong things. And it's coming from an emotional response. Depending on the situation, if it's like that, then I would take a day or two or, you know, take the time to open up that space in your heart so you can digest, you can feel those emotions, you can process those emotions, and then you can deliver them appropriately. But if you can already do that within that moment and it's appropriate setting, then you could do it too. So it really depends on the situation. But I... For me personally, I'm a very emotional person. I'm a Pisces. Mm -hmm. I'm such a Pisces. It's really ridiculous. Um, me, I, I like to take space and time because I don't want to hurt you, even though you hurt me. I'm not going to lower myself to your standard or make right. you angry. Whatever the situation is, I like to confront things from a logical and emotional standpoint. But when my emotions have already been processed... I've already let it go. So I'm not going to bring my pain or my anger into you. It's coming from a place of love and compassion. It's coming from a place of understanding. So now we can actually have an efficient conversation where we can both get to a better place. Definitely agree with you. Yeah. Thank and you sometimes know. I think that's hard for people to like decipher, you know, because if you like get me so angry, you want to like mm -hmm. immediately react and that's what that's gets me. a lot of people in trouble or hurt or they do or say things they don't mean. And it's not even about like relationships, anything like you get fired from your job, you react, you start doing some crazy shit rather than like taking the day that you need and the space that you need. I'm that way. I'm an emotional person. If someone says something to me, I might react. And it sucks because you can see it in my eyes or you can tell by my body language and I feel like in the past, I've had issues with other girls for friendships because they're, they would love to confront at the moment. 
okay, you're in that headspace, but I'm not in that headspace. And they have to respect that. They have to respect it, but there's girls that don't respect it and say, why you didn't say in the moment? I'm like, well, there's a reason why I couldn't say in the moment because I'm going to lash out. And like you said, you're already hurting me. Why am I going to hurt you? That's that's toxic, right? That's bad. That's toxic, girl. And you don't want to do that. And also be the bigger person. Be that mature person of taking your space and then talking to that person when it's needed. If they don't respect it, they don't understand it, that's that's on them. Because you know at the end of the day what, you're, you, what you have to do in order to stay calm and address the message. Absolutely. Like, I think me, especially after what I went through last year, I think space is beautiful. It's really what brings people back together. And then you can also have a real, like, a conversation that's actually going to go somewhere. If we're both emotional, we're just going back at it. Where are we going? We're just going to go around a circle and just keep hitting a wall eventually. And then you're still upset. I'm still upset. Now we're going to go to sleep upset. And I'm still going to be upset tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And we might look crazy in the meantime, just yelling at each other in circles. You most likely do look crazy, right? And But you like want to be crazy because you're so mad or whatever emotion you're feeling. But I think people... So um, I didn't think... We live in a society that's very, um, we act out of impulse. It's definitely a, uh, like a character trait that I see in a lot of people. And it really isn't our fault. Like, look at our world. You know, everything is so quick. Everything is like so fast paced. And Mm -hmm. again, distractions here and there and advertisement and that. So it's, it's like our brains can't even like handle something or focus on something for such a long time. So I think space is is such a beautiful thing if you do it right. I I only see um, good things come out of space. Like, you know, the quote, time heals all. I'm a huge believer in that. I think taking the time to really digest, understand where you went wrong. I'm all about self-reflection. And, you know, at the time when you're emotional, you're like, you, you, this is your fault. But you're not thinking like, what have I done? To, to make this person feel this way. Like, what did I say? When you take that time apart and and you can really sit down with your thoughts and yourself and think about where did I fuck up? Where did I go wrong? Then you're going to have compassion towards the situation. Like I said earlier, you want to approach everything from love and compassion and space will get you there, in my opinion. What do you think, Corey? Yeah. About space? Well, it's it depends. Like impulses. <laughs> it depends. Guns blazing. Go America. <laughs> well, ideally, you want to be able to take things in and then respond. If you're the hothead that likes to blow up and yell and cuss and get all emotional, you're not going to work anything out with somebody when you're losing your shit on them. And so if you need time to calm down, you should take time to calm down and then because you don't want to tolerate abuse because obviously you know what it's like to be with somebody who's verbally, emotionally, mentally abusive. you you got to set and enforce healthy boundaries with all people. And if they Correct. continually violate them, and I talk about this a lot in videos and emails that I answer, is that you got to set and enforce those healthy boundaries. And if somebody won't calm down and speak to you in a rational way so you can work things out collaboratively, then there's no point in talking because I'm personally not going to sit around and put up with abuse and it's like you you calm down be nice be kind let's talk this out but if you're going to cuss me out or be emotionally irrational and irate it's like i'm out of here yeah i'm out of here i don't have to put up with that i'm not like that i love myself enough to like 
Call me when you calm down and you're ready to talk this out like an adult because I'm not putting up with this. It's rude. It's condescending. It's just, it's not appropriate. I like that approach. It's really like, exactly, it's like a self-love thing. Like, how much respect do I have for myself mm -hmm. in order to handle this disrespectful situation? Because no one will ever do or say anything to you that you don't invite them to do. Okay. So to sit there and, and allow the abuse, which you tolerate, you invite more of. And if somebody is just continually violating your boundaries, then you have to walk away. You, you know, walk away so they can calm down and later recognize after they've had a few hours or a day or so to, to, to reflect. They're like, hey, I was an asshole. Or in, a, in a girl's case, a girlfriend's case, hey, I'm sorry for being a fucking bitch yesterday. We have those dates. We do. <laughs> Plenty of them. Plenty of those dates. Even with our parents, maybe. Uh, That's the yeah. crazy part. Like, yeah. we can have, we lash out at our moms or our dads, and they're like, damn, I made a mistake. Now, obviously, they're always right, because, like, they tell me, hey, take, a, take some space. I know how you are. You are my daughter. Yes, you get very hyper and angry, but we know you need your space, and then you'll come back to us, and you you'll start know. start cussing in Spanish? No, I do not curse at my parents. My mom would smack me. Woo! We do not do that. It's very disrespectful in a Hispanic household, I think. Oh, not mine. Not <laughs> <laughs> mine. That's all we did was curse and call each other names. Damn. Won't be in my household with my kids, though. Yeah, so in the future, you already I know. I broke the generational trauma. And that's good for you. You know what you want for your kids, how you want to live, the person you want to be with for your, the rest of your life, your soulmate. Yeah. So you definitely want a different change for, for your future. One million percent. I really am blessed because I was showed everything on what not to do. And that's a blessing within itself. And I know the universe put that, put me in that position because I was going to handle it. Was it really hard? Did I make a lot of mistakes? Yes. But there's always the light once you go through all the mud. I'm a huge believer in that. So bottom line is with the ex-boyfriend, and obviously Caroline can speak to this because she recently went through it, is that you reached a, a point where you were like, this is not fixable. This guy can't show up in the way that I need him to and I deserve to. And an act of self-love is that I'm going to leave the situation and create the conditions, create a space in my life for somebody new to come in and fill that or is even, on the, the level that I want. Yes, or, sorry to interject, like, even open up that space to fill up love for yourself. It doesn't even necessarily have to come from someone else. That's what, in my personal experience, I... Well, the idea is you come together not to complete each other, but to share your completeness. Because you've done the work on yourself, they've done the work on themselves. Yeah. And you're, you have, you can't give away what you don't have for yourself. 100%. So if you don't, like in your case, you didn't love your, you loved your boyfriend more than you loved yourself. So you tolerated all kinds of shit. Correct. And then when you learn to really love and fall in love with yourself, you're like, these are better than this. I don't want to put up with this shit anymore. And you exactly. didn't. And it takes courage and it's really painful. But I promise anyone out there, it's definitely worth it. You have to like tap back into your own power mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of like starting all over again almost I mean it depends how long you're in a relationship for but when me I lost sight of who I was for a very long time and 
when I was able to regain my strength and my power back, my whole life just started to blast off into magic and amazing things because, again, I wasn't focusing on me for a long time. So I definitely recommend anyone that's out there that feels like they're lost in a relationship or they feel like they don't love themselves enough. Like, if you really just choose you and start doing everything for yourself, like, whatever you believe in, whether it's the universe or God, whatever, it literally starts to reward you. Mm -hmm. You're going to start seeing all these synchronicities, all these dreams of yours are going to start coming to you because you're doing the work. You're putting in the work. And to me, I think that's very special. I, I also believe that pain is power. When you go through a painful situation, you can either let that, you know, use it as fuel for motivation and for you to go out and get it and you know, kill it and do whatever you want with life or you let it absolutely destroy you. That's the beauty about life. We have choice. We have free will. It depends. You ask yourself, like, what am I going to do with this pain? Am I going to let this lift me up and and let, make it jet fuel or am I going to let it completely crush me and I'm deciding to, you know, not come back from it? Cool. Pain is dope. Pain is cool. <laughs> You learn a lot of lessons. Pain is life's change agent. It's the, it's the way life lets you know that what you're doing is wrong or not optimized. And you need to change something. Or right, too. Don't you think? Because. In what way? What do you mean? Like, for me, I left someone that I was still madly in love with, but I needed to do it. Because you were in pain. I mean, the whole purpose painful of. painful regardless. Yeah, but the purpose of all relationships is you go there to give. You're there to help each other grow, become more, Weird. meet each other's needs. And obviously, your needs were not getting met. Correct. You're right. I feel like either or it's, it's all painful. I might not always be right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> well, you're doing great, and you look great, and you look happy. Oh, you're ha you have this smile, so oh. disregard that relationship. Thank you. You did. It's been a long everything. time. <laughs> It's been like seven months now, but it's all it's all love. It's all groovy, baby. <laughs> and you love it though. From those seven months of progress you've done, like how do you feel? Oh girl, the past seven months have been crazy. I mean, I um like I said, so it's so crazy how some people wait for something tragic to happen for you to like wake the fuck up. And this was just my tragedy, I guess. And, um, Hitting the wall, metaphorically. Yeah, yeah. And um, it really, like I said earlier, it commenced my healing journey and made me realize how much healing I really needed to do because I stifled myself for so long. I was, like, stuck for a long time not doing the work that I knew I could have. I was healing slowly, but it wasn't about me. The, the, the focal point was my significant other, not me. So the moment I got my power back and I started living life for myself, um, as hard as it was, like I said, so many amazing things started happening. And then it commenced my spiritual awakening as well. And all the right people started coming into my life, whether they were new people or rekindled relationships. And... All of those people serve such a hardcore purpose to get me to a better place because I don't believe you can do this life alone. You need, you need a 
shoulder to cry on. Like you need connection. That's why we're humans with mouths because we need to talk. We need to communicate. That's one of our six human needs is love and connection. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And um, I was able to to not even heal from the pain of the breakup. It was from my childhood trauma. It was just like the universe just like smacked me across the face and was like, now is the time to heal for everything. So that's why I was really, I'm really grateful for the situation. Um, Again, as painful as it was, but I had to go through all this pain and suffering to get to the place that I'm at now. That's why, again, like I was saying, I'm not, I'm very comfortable with being uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable for so long that I made amends with it and I also did the work I mean I I was guided really well by angels of my life I mean once the breakup happened I started to really take care of myself like really take care of myself for the first time ever I started to meditate every single day which meditation has completely changed the dynamic of my life I meditate every single day it's the greatest thing ever um I started reading started journaling I took my therapy even more intensely because it all it became all about me not like the stupid fight that I got into with with my ex-boyfriend um I started to enroll myself in like communities so I got into you know a little spiritual community I'm now in a club called light club which I enrolled a couple weeks ago and it's absolutely amazing I love that family um started hanging out with people that are successful and motivating and ambitious and you know the ones that will talk about you in a room full of opportunities and um I really started focusing on my career I like what else was I going to focus on you know Mm -hmm. I I really started focusing on my career as I am very grateful and lucky to have been part of starting a new real estate company and a new brokerage and I ended up making the most money I ever made I've ever made my whole entire life in a place of so much pain and suffering but that was a part of it you know it's again going back into your power and I really was able to heal from the self-limiting beliefs all the pain that was still stuck in the body from childhood all those repressed emotions all of it, it all kind of came to the surface and was like, you're going to heal now. (laughs) Like whether you like it or not, it's time to heal from all these things. And that's why people don't heal. That's the problem. What you resist persists. And what you look at disappears. Yeah. Well, people resist feeling uncomfortable and feeling the pain, right? So that's why it's like people don't self-reflect. People don't like acknowledge like, oh, this is what I did wrong or this is how I hurt this person. People are just like, nope, moving forward, suppress, suppress. Let's go get drunk about it. Let's go fuck about it. I don't, you know, people do all this crazy stuff to not think about what's hurting them, right? People, it's escapism. It's the avoidant way of looking at life. And that's the majority of people. That's why people blow up on a random Tuesday over a red light. That's why people are miserable because they're not feeling and embracing their pain. And once you do, once you reach that level of strength that you're comfortable with this pain and you embrace it and you feel it and you get it, you observe it, you know, emotions aren't us. 
Just because I'm sad right now, for example, I'm just saying, doesn't mean I'm a sad person. Just because I'm angry at this moment doesn't mean I'm like an angry human being. We aren't our thoughts and we aren't our emotions. So if you just let that energy transfer into the body, emotions, it's an emotional current. You let these emotions come into the body, you have that choice to let it stay in the body or feel it and then move past it and then you let it go and you actually heal from Experience it. it like a child experiences emotions. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why like your childhood is so crucial on your adulthood. You know, like I remember, um, you know, being a young little girl in the modeling world, how like the cattiness and the competition, I'll never forget. I was at a casting and this girl stuck her tongue at me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know when people stick Sassy. their tongues out? Yeah. yeah. And she was like, I'm better than you. And I remember that affected me. Did you punch her in the face? No, Corey, I didn't punch her in the (laughs) face. Kick her in the shin? I cried. And I was so like, I remember that was such a pivotal moment in my life because it made me realize like friendships are like girls can be so mean, you know? And then it. Yeah, y'all are pretty nasty. It like had this belief of like, I'm a target. Ruthless. Yeah, like I'm a target or like girls don't like because I didn't even know this girl. Mm. This girl just came up to me in a casting, stuck her tongue at me and was like, I'm better than you. And I was like crushed, you know, and but that's what I'm saying. Like all these things that you go through as a child, it really surfaces in in your adult life. You know, the trauma that you went through with your parents, maybe that's going to be your parenting skills. And then you just become like your mother or your father if you don't process them and if you don't process them appropriately. See, a lot of people, that's another factor into it. That's why healing is so hard. No one does it. Processing them is not, you know, smoking yourself to death, not drinking yourself every single day. It's it's a lot deeper than that. And a lot of my healing came from from meditations, getting to a place where... It's not only discipline, but you meditation for me is a tool because you remove everything from the external world. It's a time and place where you have no stimuli around you. You know, you're plugged up. You can't hear anything. You can't feel anything. You can't smell anything. It's just you and yourself. And it's a place where you can unlayer your onion. You know, you unlayer who you are, what you are, what you do, how old you are, whether you're a woman or female, all these identities about you and you actually come close to the core of who you are and what you do and what you're about. And it's knowing yourself. One of my favorite things from Socrates is, is know thyself. That's like my next tattoo. Know thy Siotin. Know <laughs> thyself. And when people do that and you know yourself, you actually can find them. Um, like compassion on your actions and that's like on the road to enlightenment like oh no wonder I did this because of this is what happened now I I, I get to link these things on why I am the way I am and then you can heal in that way that's processing it I mean for me personally in um in the most appropriate way a lot of fucked up memories came upon in my meditations and there was a lot of meditations that I woke up sobbing crying but I always felt so amazing after I felt light 
It felt like I was able to get that negative energy and let it go. Mm. 